Welcome back for another helping of oysters, clams, and corpsicles presented by Bolin Media. I am Ross Bolin here with Barrett Dudley to discuss part four of True Detective Night Country. Barrett, how are you holding up in the dark, depressing, horrifying show in which we have immersed ourselves? I, I'm just, I'm getting used to my new reality this week, you know, and, uh, you know, that's, that's, that's because Heist told me himself that we're just, we're all in night country now. And I just, that's something that we have to deal with and accept and, co- and, you know, cope with as a, as a community. Got to come to terms with come, it. Got to t- come to terms with it. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and act accordingly. Yeah. And act accordingly, yeah, because it's just it's that it's different than regular country. It is, you know, it's because it's night country. It's not day country. No. it's night country. Yeah. There's less sunshine. That's one of the big differences. Fewer, fewer rays of sunshine. Yes, yes, yeah. yes yeah. much fewer. Um, this was the first episode of the six part season we are enjoying. Where the total and utter lack of setting change in terms of day and night uh-huh. really impacted my, like, because there were several scenes where I was like, okay, is it the middle of the night right now? Or is it the middle of the day? And there's no context clues. Or is it morning? You're just going through the darkness. Yeah, and it's all, it's also funny because one of the things you'll you'll notice about, like, or you just think through uh, and during the show and while watching it is that... Many of the things that would indicate to you what time of day it is, police officers, you kind of also understand, do those things at odd hours of the day because their job requires long hours and sometimes late nights. So it's like, how many times have you been watching a movie or a TV show and it's like a cop has to drink a cup of coffee at 11 p.m. because he's working the case real hard? Right. So, like, them drinking coffee means nothing to me. Yeah. <laughs> that does not mean, like, that yeah. doesn't tell you it's their that morning coffee at all. does not tell me that it's the morning because I've, seen, I've watched police officers and law enforcement agents drink coffee at all hours of the damn night. Yeah. You know what I mean? So it's like, it's, it's, ra- and sometimes or, you got the night shift. Sometimes you get the night shift. Sometimes you're on that beat. Sometimes you're on a stakeout. Sometimes, like, there's just a, like, it's just funny how I'm like looking for those things and Danvers is drinking coffee at one point in this episode. And I'm like, yeah, doesn't help. No idea what time it well, is. Especially not with her because <laughs> there is no off the clock for Danvers. Yeah, I guess I guess when they whip out the alcohol, that's when you generally know that it's after hours. Yeah. Right? Yeah. You know, like Hank does Dan- later in the episode. Hank with the whiskey and, and or the bourbon and Danvers with the, uh, the, the vodka. vodka. The vodka. Um, she's a vodka girl. She's a vodka girl. Yeah, a drink of fish, fish of vodka. What's, what's the Chris Rapp line? <laughs> this is the most obscure <laughs> reference possible. Uh, if you've seen the movie Haggard, that one might have rung a bell, but not many of you have. But yeah, so it's, it is um, really difficult to tell. So very difficult to tell, yeah. What yeah. time of freaking day it is. And this episode was insane, so let's let's get into what exactly occurred. Part four opens with Danvers in bed, and she can't sleep. So she turns off her white noise machine and starts watching the Annie K cave selfie video over and over, trying to find some some evidence in there of where she may have been or what might have occurred. And she sees what apparently is some kind of like fossil in the ice, which we get to later. But I, as she was like scrubbing back and forth through this mm-hmm. thing, I was seeing all kinds of shit in this <laughs> fucking video, man. You could have convinced me anything was in there yeah. uh, in that cave with her. Um, but then Danvers goes and checks on her sleeping stepdaughter, Leah, who, and I mean this in the most non-racist way possible, looks similar to Annie Kay. So you can see, like, <laughs> they have some similar facial features. So you can see how she's like, uh-huh. like, she's becoming more and more concerned 
about what might happen to her daughter. Yeah. As a result of her daughter's activities. And uh, it is December 24th, the seventh day of night, also Christmas Eve. And Peter Pryor calls Danvers from the ice rink and says Anchorage has showed up early and is packing up the bodies, which we knew was going to happen, right? Mm -hmm. We knew Anchorage was going to come in, take these bodies away. But Captain Connolly, the dude who Danvers banged in part three, is uh, surprisingly there. And Danvers is like, oh, shit. She, she's not happy about that part. She feels like, I think like Navarro does, that this this might be a sign he's going to take the case off their mm-hmm, hands, mm-hmm. take it away from them entirely. So she's going to rush over there and try to deal with this. Unfortunately, she then sees Julia Navarro, our Trooper Navarro's sister, walking down the street, having an episode and stripping down, right? So she pulls over, tries to help Julia, tries to calm her down as she's like weeping and having a breakdown of sorts. And that's our that's our cold open. Then we go into the intro sequence. So, um, not a bright start. Big week for Billie Eilish, by the way. Oh, yeah. Won the Grammy for... She keeps winning awards for this Barbie song. What was I made for? What was I made for? I told you it was beautiful, Barrett. You did say it was beautiful. And mu- but much like Billy herself seems to be, I'm just surprised that she keeps cleaning up with this song. I mean, like, it's a good song. I guess I need to reevaluate it. It is really good. Yeah. It's just very, like this show, very dark and kind of a downer, yeah. a little depressing. Yeah, so... Um, speaking of the intro sequence and Billie Eilish, the other week I, I kind of, um, overreacted Yeah, you thought to, you were onto something. I yeah. was like, the last thing they show <laughs> in the intro sequence is Kavik's uh-huh. ice fishing hut. Clearly something, and no, it's a different thing every week. Yeah. Like, the, yeah. the intro sequence changes. Like, this week they showed us the, uh, place they end up finding. The, what is it? The, 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 the uh. I can't remember what it's the, called. The pledges? The dredges? Dredge. It's the dredge. The, dredge. the abandoned dredge. Um, Which I don't know what that is. I don't know what a dredge does slash did. It's some kind of abandoned facility. Yeah. Maybe yeah. like fishing or. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. Who knows what a dredge Sometimes is. Sometimes you have to dredge a fish fillet through flour before you fry it. You dredge it. See, I wouldn't know that <laughs> as a. Non cook myself, but I don't think that's what that. Tr- I don't think. I think we're talking a different dredge. I don't yeah, know. yeah. Maybe it's where they made the dredge report. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so I think they just show important locations from from each episode in the intro sequence. Yeah, that, yeah that was yeah. I was uh, I was way off. Um, so Navarro comes, gets her sister from the station. Julia apologizes to Danvers for I guess putting her in a position where she had to stop and help her. And Navarro tells Danvers that they need to talk about the Annie K video. So they haven't spoken about it yet, I guess. Mm-hmm. They kind of mm-hmm. just watched it together, then went their separate ways. And at the ice rink, Peter Pryor watches Anchorage pack up the bodies of the Salal scientists. Then he goes to the station and tells Danvers he found medical records on folks with similar injuries to the scientists at Salal Station. Which, uh, pretty impressive police work here by Petey. Yeah. He's on the come up. Um, Connolly is there also with Peter and tells Danvers he's going to stick around for a while, not take the case from them, but to make sure things go well, because as he says, they have protests at the mine, a shooting, which resulted in a fight at the hospital. So that was why there was some fight at that hospital. And we didn't know there was a shooting, um, six dead bodies at the local ice rink and is still a missing person of interest. So yeah, things are not. Yeah. Super yeah. buttoned up here in Ennis at the moment, and he wants to make sure shit goes correctly because, as Danvers puts it, he's he's trying to look good for his mayor campaign next year. Right, so she right. thinks, you know, 
he's aiming for a career in politics mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and uh, wants to make sure that nothing horrible goes on that, that sinks his chances at a mayoral victory. Danvers also tells him that the scientists died before they froze. And uh, Connolly asks her how she knows that, given they haven't done forensics. And she says she did an independent pre-forensic evaluation, <laughs> but no mention of Vince the vet. Right. He does right. not get credit for his hard work. Well, here. I don't think he wants credit. Yeah, he probably doesn't want to yeah. be involved. Yeah. Um, and Connolly tells Danvers to keep the Annie Kotak video on a need-to-know basis. Like, don't go showing everybody this thing. Yeah. Which I think is supposed to give you a little confusion around like, ooh, is he trying to bury it sure. too? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But if you think about it from like a just a common sense standpoint. You would not want a bunch of people watching that video and like freaking out about, yeah, yeah, how that occurred. Uh, yeah, and I think they just want more information before they they you know they they start tossing that thing around. Yeah. Um, so Navarro takes her sister Julia to a facility called the Lighthouse to to help her get some kind of treatment, right? To help her get help. And Julia, by the way, her sister has electric blue hair. Yes, which is clearly how Navarro knew where the hair gets done where the electric blue hair dye gets done there's still some question as to why the hair dye was actually on the photo or whatever but like i think we can kind of suspend disbelief enough at this point to just grasp that navarro knew who does that color hair dye or who does hair dye in the town yes, and her sister yeah, used yeah. the same lady and she my, was familiar my, with her. my take is that you were actually right and the the fact that those photos were not them like looking at the camera and smiling. That doesn't mean anything. They, they, they could have just been walking around doing stuff and letting the timer go off. You know what I mean? Right. What I'm saying is you can pose a candidate as well. Absolutely. You don't have to look at the camera when you do a self-timer. Yeah, yeah. I don't know if you know that or not. But no, yeah. like one, my wife and I went on a hike one time and yeah, we, yeah. we set the phone down and uh-huh. put it on burst on a timer right, and it right, took right. a shitload of photos of yeah, us. Some, yeah. of us. some of them were not looking um, at the camera. But yeah, so my, my read on that is just that there was blue hair paint on the photo, which means that this, that this, that Susan, was it Susan? Yeah, I think so. Uh, she had handled the photo or at least seen it most likely. Was aware because, of it. Yeah, yeah, because yeah, it was in the presence of her blue hair dye. So that's, that was that. Maybe she was showing her pictures while right. she was getting her hair exactly, done. Right? Exactly, exactly. Yeah. And she said, oh, let me see that one. Yeah. And she had the blue hair dye on her Whoops. hand still. Yeah. Oops. Yeah. Sorry I ruined your pick. Yeah. Yeah. Could be helpful later, though. Solved. Uh, Peter Pryor shows Danvers this dude named Otis Heiss, who in April of 1998, so this is a long time ago, this yeah, dude Otis yeah. had this injury, or series of injuries, where he had burns on both corneas, ruptured eardrums, and self-inflicted bites. He's a German national, no records of employment, no bank accounts, no social security since 2006, no wife and kids, so essentially off the grid, except for the fact that he has a long history of disorderly conduct, in and out of rehab, uh, ever since this injury, like he, it, it sounds like he sustained these injuries for whatever reason. There is no cause listed, no, nothing that Peter could find. Mm-hmm. And then he became a junkie, kind of dealing with the aftermath and the trauma or whatever, right? So um, he recently got picked up by a trooper in Noatok, but no sightings since. So they know like generally where he might be. And Danvers tells Peter to put out an APB, which he's pissed about because it's Christmas Eve. And you know. He needs to get home to the fam. Right, right, right. Which no one Yeah, things does. are hanging things are, things are hanging on by a by a thread there in the uh, prior household. Yeah, and he doesn't seem too keen to like salvage his marriage? Yeah, yeah. Not super concerned about He's, it. He his I Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, his priorities are a little mixed up. He's definitely placing the uh the job above the family and you know that that happens sometimes, but 
Seems like maybe he should flip those. Yeah, and it sounds like it's <laughs> happening every day for him. Yeah. Uh, so set some boundaries, you know. Yeah, gotta have a work life balance. Try to have a healthy work life yeah. balance. It's <laughs> he's in a bad spot here, but he doesn't have a good uh, father figure. No, in terms of setting the example for yeah. him, you know, Hank's Hank's a little. And Danvers is just hard, you know, she's hard to, hard lady to please. Man. Yeah, she you is. Know, she's got no family of her own at the moment. and Just a job. Besides her stepdaughter, and that's, uh, you know. Even that. Right. It's not going great. <laughs> uh, Navarro calls Danvers and tells her that there are no ice <clears throat> caves in the area. So they're looking for an ice cave because that's where it looks like Annie Kautok is in the video, right? So um, there's also no ice caves near where her body was found. So Danvers thinks whoever killed her dumped her body in town to send a message. And uh, now the funniest part of the episode that is also the saddest, Hank Pryor shows up to the airport <laughs> to pick up yeah. his mail order bride. Um, he, he gets to wait on the runway, basically, because he's a cop. You know, at first I was like, "How you can't just be out there. <laughs> but he's a cop. He's outside. He's yeah. waiting in the cold. I think the rules are different at tiny little airports True. where like little charter prop jets coming over from from. Oh, oh, motherland, rush away! Yeah, you know, or landing. Yeah, is it was it is she Russian? Yeah. Was it a Russian mail order bride? Yeah. Okay, yeah, because um, don't forget, there Russia's just right across the Bering Sea there. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Just a hop, skip, and just a jump a hop, away. Skip and a jump. So he has a little Alaska bunny rabbit stuffed animal that he's got for you know, so she knows which state she's in. It says Alaska right yeah, there on yeah, the bunny yeah. rabbit sweater. Um, but she doesn't get off the plane, and you're, everyone watching is like. Well, obviously, <laughs> right? Like, you, you had to have known. Mm-hmm. I did see a couple people on X, formerly known as Twitter, that were like, man, that I did not see that coming. I was like, how? Which, I guess those are the people who get scammed like this. Um, but then they had, this is the brutal part. They have one of the flight attendants come over and look like she's about to deboard the plane. Yeah, and yeah. Hank's eyes light back up <laughs> like, there she is. And she's, you know... She's a looker, right, this right, flight attendant. Right, yeah. But no, she's just telling the guy to close the fucking door so they can take <laughs> back off. It's so heartbreaking. And like, dude, I felt so bad for this sad, lonely, stupid man in this moment. Like, I, I, it was like, I, I couldn't help but feel for him. Where are we going with Hank? I have no idea. I don't, I'm, that's what I'm trying to figure out at this point. Like, what is that storyline about? I, I don't know. Like, he's gullible, sure. Yeah. But, like, what is his loneliness and, like, the fact that he's gotten to a place in life where a mail-order Russian bride seems like a good idea and that he wouldn't, you know, he would ignore all the warning signs to mm-hmm. get to the point where he's mm-hmm. on the fucking runway with a bunny rabbit stuffed animal? Yeah. But, like, what does that mean for the larger story? Right. I don't really know. Yeah, okay. And that's where, there's a lot of elements of this show that are like that one where I'm like, how is this going to tie into the bigger picture? Yep. And I think that's the the main question everyone watching Night Country has at this point. Like, we've delved into a lot of side quests here, whether it be Hank with this Russian or, you know, Leah with her, her mental health issues or, you know, some of it ties back to the main story. Like, Leah, obviously, we're worried that Trooper Navarro is going to have mental health issues, right? Ju- Julia. Julia. Yeah, Julia. Sorry, sorry. Leah is Danvers' daughter. Yeah. Um, but I don't know what the, how the Hank one ties in, mm-hmm, how his mm-hmm. situation ties in at all. I have yeah. no idea. Um, Danvers and Navarro go to see the science teacher that we met in episode two, I think. Uh, the one that Danvers banged. Yeah. And, uh, his wife answers yeah, the door. Yeah, it turns out he's married. Yeah, she's, <laughs> she's not super stoked mm-hmm. about, uh, uh, Danvers being there. She's clearly aware of the affair that took place. It seems like she's not only, um, 
banging everyone in the town. Mm-hmm. She's also really <laughs> terrible at keeping it a secret. Like er- all of these affairs she has had are have been exposed, and everyone yeah. is fully aware of them. Uh, again, it is Christmas Eve, and she's knocking on the door of a man's house that she had an affair with, whose wife is also there. Christmas Eve. That's a bold move. It is. And I, I look. I know that was another thing that 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 definitely um, struck me during this episode. Is like. I know all these people are depressed and lonely up here in night country, Ennis, Alaska, no sunlight, but it is Christmas. Yeah. And like, I don't know, was any of this important enough to not push it? Like, I don't know, 14 hours? Let everybody like go home and have a little, you know, little recharge? I guess not. Maybe spend a few hours with family, have a little Christmas morning action, maybe a pancake, maybe a flapjack or two, a cup of coffee with the kids before you get back out there on Christmas Day, like maybe around noon, 1 p.m. Right. Seems like that would have been okay. Yeah, and they're acting (laughs) as if they're on the verge of cracking the case. Like, we're just one thing away from getting this thing solved. And that is, like, they're not. And the most the most important part, right? I, like, okay, I guess maybe the most important thing here is that Raymond Clark is in the wind, and they got they got to find this guy. Oh yeah, that that is probably the so big motivator, urgency wise. And, and this haste thing is like, like they maybe the one thing that can find him or tie him in and track him down or whatever. So like, you know, there, there's probably some explanation for it. But that definitely struck me that it was like, like damn, yeah, yeah, come on, give like, people a break, Pete. Put your foot down, bud. Yeah. You know? Go home, dude. Go, go home. Christ. You've got a kid and stuff. Like, you can't just not be there on Christmas. Uh, but they show scientist guy, science teacher guy, the video of Annie Kay, and he identifies whale bones as these fossils that they see and tells them that there's an ice cave system bordering Brooks Range, but it's a death trap. It was closed years ago due to a bunch of accidents. And he tells them that the next step should be to track down whoever mapped out this cave system if they really do want to go out there. Sounds like it's really dangerous. Like one wrong step and you're falling through the ice to your death or something like that. Yeah. Um, okay. So again, going to nitpick plot here. Yeah. Uh, they're, 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 okay. The ice caves are clearly not that far away. And a big accident happened and a bunch of people got injured or something and they had to shut down the ice caves. Woo. Wouldn't the police know about the ice caves here? Maybe. I don't They're know like, where. Oh, where's this weird looking ice cave thing? I just don't know where Brooks Range is. And I get the sense that, like, you know, yeah. things being nearby in Ennis in yeah. doesn't mean they're that, that close. Okay. It could be like right. many, many miles away, but it's just like science teacher guy has some knowledge of these caves. You got more knowledge about the caves than others. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it turns out the person who mapped the caves out is Otis Heiss, Heiss, the dude with similar injuries to the Salal scientists. So science teacher is going to work on getting them some maps of these ice caves. Um, And this whole thing, like, just gave me the thought that the ice caves will likely be where the climax of this show occurs. That's a safe bet. Right? (laughs) Like, this is our Carcosa. Yes. These ice caves that were abandoned years ago due to this big accident. The dredge was pretty Carcosa-y, too. It was, but Um, I think it'll the ice caves will be like another level. There'll be shit hanging from the ceiling all over this fucking thing. You know? Little twine dolls. Twine dolls, yes. And and spirals fucking everywhere. Spirals as far as the 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 eye can see. (laughs) Yes, we got the ice caves to look forward to at some point here. Um, At the lighthouse, Navarro's sister Julia is sitting on her bed, 
contemplating mm-hmm. the state of things when an orange rolls out from underneath it. And I went, oh, my God. <laughs> when she checks under the bed, she sees, I think it's her dead mother because she's got the necklace on that Navarro threw out the window of the car oh, onto the road earlier yes, in the season. Yes, yes, yes. Good call. Good call. Full on horror scene here. Yeah, straight up like looked like one of the like like kind of gave me ring or oh, yeah. the grudge. Yeah, vibes. dude. Like a combo. Like it went very like Japanese horror dead body ghost thing with it. Crazy eyes. Crazy eyes, kind of bluish skin. That hair. The hair, it's the a, stringy it's a wet. Very straight, long hair. hair. Yeah. Yeah. Um and yeah, this was a horror scene. This was a horror movie. Scene. Not fun. And not the not the last one that we get this episode either. Nope. Just the um, first. Still not sure how the oranges represent ghosts, but maybe we'll get a little bit more on that. Uh, yeah, it, I'm going to tie this to, to to pieces from from later in the episode as well. But I, so I I I think here I'm thinking here that like the Navarro family uh, a, a ability is more spirit world than it is mental health. I think they I think they are touching you know. Touching through, essentially. But they're not able to, like, harness, harness it or control it. it. And control it, So yeah. it's driving them So nuts. it's driving them crazy. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. 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 Because I I don't know what, what you think, but, like, I'm I'm starting to get the sense that that what, what Trooper Navarro is seeing is not, like, a mental health delusion. Like, I think that this is something that she is actually experiencing. And it does seem important and tied to the, like, it's almost like something trying to help her or send her a message or right. something, Right. right. Um, like when she, when she has the experience out on the ice where the orange comes back to her after she throws it and then she slips and like hits her head and like has the, the whole thing with, uh, what we now know is Danvers late son. Yeah. Like that seemed important. Like they're like, you're trying to help somehow. It makes me wonder if, cause we're here, if Danvers will have some type of orange thing happen. Cause this has all been Navarro, right? Mm-hmm. The Navarro mm-hmm. family, they're the ones dealing right. with the oranges. Right. If Danvers sees an orange or has some kind of an orange connection, and maybe it's like she's supposed to help Navarro the mm-hmm. way that Navarro has seen this one-eyed polar bear, right? And like it's clearly like something trying to get them to communicate about something. Mm-hmm. I just oh, we don't know yet. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, Hank Pryor goes back to the station after his uh, failed love venture, <laughs> and he starts drinking. Um, Peter asks him what happened to Irina. And Hank says it's Eilina, and she wasn't on the plane. And that there's probably a issue with her cell service. You know, her mother's been sick. Some emergency must yeah, have happened. Yeah. He's begun talking himself into, like, <laughs> how everything might actually be okay. I think he's kind of covering his ass here. I think he, you think kinda, he just doesn't want to admit? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think he kind of knows that he's been duped at this point and is like— but he's got to he he's got to play it out a little bit, like, soldier on. So yeah, to to so that you know maybe in like a month or six weeks or something he can be like, oh well, yeah, this. He's laying the groundwork. He's you know he's tossing out the crumbs for that for for this to not happen. But he doesn't want to just straight up be like, yeah, I think I got scammed. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah he doesn't want everybody to know about. Because when he's back at his house and he's like looking at the rose petals on the yeah. bed and everything. I, you get in the sense he's looking at the champagne bottle. I think he kind of knows he got He's got. accepting yeah. what has occurred. Yeah. Yeah. Peter asks him, like, uh, you didn't send her any money, did you? <laughs> like, he, he clearly also gets it right. Hank completely ignores that question and instead invites himself over for Christmas Eve. Uh-huh. Um, Navarro, this was a weird scene. Navarro goes out to see Rose Aguinaw, all right, who is having an impressive Christmas Eve 
herself by by herself. Yep. Red dress, little martini bar, fancy as hell. Got all the fixins and the foods. Yeah. Right. These were nobody st- else there though. Yeah. To the point that I stopped and was like, "Is Rose Agonaw real? <laughs> like, is Navarro hallucinating this whole ass person?" Because it was such a strange circumstance. But then, like, as the scene progressed, I was like, okay, I'm pretty sure she's really there. Yeah. And, like, Navarro mentions Rose to other people. Yeah. Like Kavik later in the episode. So I don't know that Rose is a delusion. Right. But the scene unfolds very interestingly. Like, Navarro asks her... And Rose leads them to the corpsicle in the first place. Yeah, yeah. Right? Like, so she... Yeah. So other people have seen her, too. Great point. That's what my wife said. She was like, no, they've... She talked yeah. to like other cops. This the the uh, the whole the way that this looked, the way that this was shot, beautiful, beautiful cinematography. It was one of my favorite shoots, my favorite scenes and shots um, of the entire episode. It it did really have this like dreamlike state, almost like vignettes on the outside. This yeah. very like warm yellow glow from that like that cool candle with like the six flames that were just like super intense. Yeah, very different um, feel than the rest of yes, the dark, totally, gloomy, totally. shitty scenes we get. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, the, the, there was the, you know, the nice wine and the champagne that she was pouring and the martinis and she's smoking the joint and like it was, charcuterie it, boards. Yes, it was a, it was a whole, a whole vibe. Yeah. Um, but just for her. But just for her. And that's the only thing in the whole show that we get like that. So it is definitely... It's a really interesting little wrinkle, and maybe it means nothing, but but uh, it it was uh, it was it was a cool visual. Yeah, I'm very very curious to see at this point how Rose ties in with everything, mm-hmm. just because she has had some really important lines, like the one about you know don't mistake mental health issues right. for a connection with the spirit world, and um, she's the one who saw Travis Cole, the late Travis Cole, who I would note we see we keep seeing we see a bunch of ghosts, spirits, mm-hmm. dead people, whatever, zombies fucking horrifying shit yeah, in this yeah, episode. Yeah, yeah. Travis Cole had the same look as a lot of them. Not the like ah! face thing. Right. But the the gen- like the kind of stiffness, the pointing, the uh-huh. weird you know what I mean? Like yeah. every every one of these things we've encountered has a similar look. So he sure did get loose with all that dancing though. He did have some moves <laughs> in his interpretive dance to point her in the direction of those uh yeah. scientists. But Navarro asks Rose about her life before Alaska and even go so far as to say, like, your real name is not Rose Aguinal, is it? So that's weird, right? Yeah, yeah. She's yeah. going by an alias. And Rose says she was a very serious professor at a very serious school. But basically, she got, like, sick of all the snootiness, mm-hmm. you know, that these educa- educated types have, Barrett. Real high level. Yeah. Um, and uh, she got sick of all the noise. So she moved out here where it's much quieter except yeah. for all the fucking dead, she says. Um, and that was it. Like, that's the rose. That's all the rose we get yeah, in. This, it's yeah. a whole scene. Just a little check in. Just weird. Yeah. Weird relationship between her and Navarro that we don't have a ton of backstory for either. And we only have two episodes left. So I just very curious to see what the deal is with Rose Aguinal when it's all said and done. Um, Liz Danvers gets called out to the mine offices because her daughter Leah graffitied murderers onto the front of the building. Mm hmm. So now she's just straight up doing stuff Annie <laughs> K already did. Yeah. That got her killed, right? right. Or at least in theory. Yes. Uh, Danvers basically tells <clears throat> Kate, the mining office lady, like, nah, you can't press charges. Come on. Also, what's happening? Kate is like Kate like a real estate magnate? Yeah, why she is she the mining the, office, the, but also the but ice also rink the ice lady? Rink? And Danvers banged her husband too. Right. But I was like, wait. This lady she, again? Yeah, yeah, yeah. The, my first thought was, wait, did she own the mine? I, maybe this, it's like a statement <laughs> like people, like, you know, 
They it had, tends they to got, be the same person they with got power. Multiple, they got many irons in the fire. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I, my take was maybe real estate. I was she just owned, shocked. She owns the ice rink. She owns these oh, all, the okay. office buildings, maybe. I don't sure, know. Sure, sure. But it was the same lady that... that is she sat next down, at the, down yes. next to at the ice rink That's and correct. asked her if they could use it. Yeah. Um, and again, at the ice rink, she's, you know... She's not really keen to do Danvers this favor, but she right. tells her, like, I'm doing this because I love the town. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And then here, Danvers is like, nah, you can't press charges. Come on. Don't ruin my kid's <laughs> life just because you're pissed off that I banged your husband. Right. Which feels like the worst way to go about convincing her not to. But in the end, she's just like, okay. Oh, she tells her, like, it's Christmas Eve. Come on. Mm-hmm. And the lady, like, waves to the security guard, like, let her out of the car and then just leaves. Yeah. It works. Ah, uh, TBD. You can still press charges. Oh, true. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Anyway, there was just... But yes, she does... Strange... She lets, she lets him go home for Christmas. Yeah. Strangely yeah. conflict-free at the moment. Yeah. Um. So Navarro calls her sister to check in on how she's doing, and Julia tells her it's okay. But like at the beginning of this phone call, I could see Julia's hair moving in the wind, and I was mm. like... Up, oh, she's on top of a building. That's what I thought too. I thought on top of a building, yeah, yeah. And the main reason that thought entered my mind so swiftly is that at the beginning of this episode, before it even starts, we get one of those trigger warnings. Uh, yeah, yeah, about, about like suicide. suicide and mental health stuff. Mm-hmm. So the whole episode up to this point, I'm like when uh, when they show Hank, you know, at the airport, I was like, oh, Hank's gonna kill himself, <laughs> like. Every character, I was like, why would this person kill themselves? Why would this person kill them? You know what I mean? Because of the yeah, trigger yeah. warning. Anyway, it turns out um, it's Julia. She's not at the facility. She lies to her sister. And uh, after they hang up, we see that she's at that like capsized boat in the permafrost where Navarro found her earlier in the season. Julia strips her clothes off, stacks them neatly in a pile. Yes. With very, her shoes on top. Very, very, very eerily similar to the way that everybody's clothes were folded and stacked. Um by the corpsicle. Yeah. yeah. And then she walks off into the frozen tundra, butt ass, never to be seen again. Yeah. Not by us. Um, and is very much, uh, she, she's acting out that kind of desire that Navarro talked about. Right? Don't you ever just want to leave? Yeah. Just go. Just, just walk, walk out, out and never, and not stop walking. She yeah. does exactly that. She just yeah. walks out into the frozen ocean and doesn't stop. Yeah. It's creepy shit. Yeah. Uh, Danvers' stepdaughter, Leah refuses to stay at her house. I think she's like, I, when they first get back to the Danvers home and Leah's like running around packing up her shit, I was like, well, what happened? Did we miss something? Mm-hmm. But I think she's pissed off. She asks her mom, like, why do you always take their side? Right. You know, like her, Danvers won't back mm-hmm. Leah mm-hmm. in this whole anti-mining thing. Right. So she tells her she's not going to make her pretend anymore. And I assume she means I'm not going to make you pretend to be like my mom anymore or pretend like you care about me anymore, like a daughter. And she goes to Peter Pryor's house to stay with them. Now, from the Danvers side of this, she does repeatedly say, like, oh, you're going to the Pryors, huh? Like, she's really pushing to make sure that's where she goes. Because she has a connection with the Pryors. Like, she works with Peter, right? Yeah. And at least she would know where she is. Yeah, but I don't under... That's one thing that the story, that that the show has never made clear is, like, the... Because, like, Leah's been over there multiple times. Like, Danvers has gone and picked her up over there. Yep. That's where she first, like, I think comes and finds her, and she's got the the traditional... um, The chin tat. The chin tat. Um, And I... We have no idea what the relationship is there. Like, how they're... How she's that close with them. Like... Right. How does she know Pete's and, and 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 she and Pete have that like they're hanging out at the ice rink. They seem very familiar with each other. Yeah. 
but there's been like zero explanation for that and yeah. it's just been kind of weird because like pete's wife hates danvers but but picks up but picks but leah? is there to pick up leah like is it a connection with leah's maybe leah's dad was, was that's it? my guess okay was a connection point? i think it's it's family friends yeah from their past which got wrecked okay when liz danvers husband and son okay died okay and so because like we've seen liz over there uh-huh. you know right um and for leah it's clearly where she gets a connection to her heritage yeah. right yeah through uh peter's wife and peter's wife's mother mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. so at, like as we see like she's over there you know rolling dough with them and right. and, and learning shit um and again, as a reminder, it is Christmas Eve. Nobody is having a good one. Like, this is everybody's shit is completely falling apart. Yeah. So Leah leaves, Danvers throws the turkey in the trash, and starts pounding vodka and watching the Annie Cow Talk video on repeat. It's a very healthy, happy Christmas Eve. Uh, Navarro gets home and sees a little Christmas tree and a present at her doorstep. It's a SpongeBob wild watermelon toothpaste. So Kavik dropped these off for her. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Toothpaste in the tree. Um, while rewatching the Annie K video over and over, Danvers realizes that the power cuts out in both the Salal She's Awake video and the Annie Cow Talk video. So she calls Navarro to tell her uh, that basically Danvers thinks someone put a generator in an ice cave, like they were doing something out there, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, that Oliver Tagak was the equipment manager at Salal Station before leaving, and it could have been him. He could have rigged up this ice cave somehow. It seems like a jump, mm-hmm. but it's also kind of, you can see, like, yeah, yeah, logically, okay, that makes a little sense. Uh, Navarro won't let Danvers pick her up, though, because Danvers is clearly drunk on the phone, which yep. is another one of these moments where you're supposed to remember that Navarro and her have a lot of history, so she would be able to tell. And Danvers sends Peter Pryor to go pick Navarro up instead, and you're just like, oh, this poor bastard. <laughs> He's just really going through it. Yeah. Uh, but they, she wants them to go check out Oliver Tagak again and question him about the cave system. Hey, Ollie, did you ever put a generator in the ice cave out there? We know you don't like us, but yeah. like we're, you know. Right. Uh, so Peter calls his wife to let her know he's got work, and we see his wife and his wife's mother making bread, I think, or something. Yeah, with, they're needing with Leo, and yeah, yeah. Yeah. So Peter and Navarro get out to this creepy ass nomad settlement that, like, they really focus on showing you like a lot of antlers a lot of weird you know decor Mm. that kind of gives you the creeps and uh they find that mr tagak is gone but his chair where they interviewed him last episode has just his shotgun sitting on it almost like he like vanished into thin air and his boots are right next to the chair yeah yeah my assumption is that this dude did the same thing that we just watched julia do the boots with the fur that he t- yeah, and well, there's fur on the chair too, a lot of fur, um, apple bottom jeans. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, so <laughs> I think that Tagak also stripped butt ass and walked into the. Oh, wilderness. you think so? Yeah, huh. I think he's another one of these. I don't know what you call that, cold suicides. Just <laughs> anyway, they don't know where the fuck he is. Yeah. Um, Peter finds his food. Oliver Tagak's food is like out and frozen. Yeah. Solid. And Peter says, this feels a lot like, and he stops short. Yes, he does. He does. This, th- this took me a minute. Okay. He's, he's about to say this feels a lot like Salal. Okay. This feels a lot like the, the research station where yeah, there was yeah, food yeah. out. That's it seems like they right. just disappeared on yeah. a whim, gone. Boots are out, shotgun on the chair. Yeah. And, but nobody, like, 
Navarro doesn't acknowledge it or anything, so you're kind of left wondering like what the yeah. fuck he was saying there. Yeah. Good call. Yeah. Then they find the square of cardboard on the ground with the same spiral from Annie Kay and Clark's tattoos on it, plus a stone. If that wasn't enough, he I guess he just did the one spiral <laughs> and he was like, I could do more. <laughs> <laughs> Grabs a stone, carves the spiral into it real quick, and sets that down. Mm-hmm. Um, well, he needed a he needed a paperweight on that top of that yeah, yeah. on top of that piece of cardboard with the spiral on it. And he was like, Well, I might as well put the spiral on this too. Got to double. I got a double spiral. Double, <laughs> double up, double spiral. <laughs> um, so yeah, as they're like about to leave, the other nomads who are very defensive about this this whole yeah. community they've got going, they're outside waiting. Um, and they tell Navarro and uh, Peter Pryor that Tagak left the day after they, they came and interviewed him. Mm-hmm. And that they were supposed to go seal hunting, which the implication is they didn't go seal hunting because he was gone. Right. Right. So that's what made me think, oh, this dude's dead. Like he walked yeah, out. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely a possibility. And Navarro asks the other nomads about the spiral. Like, hey, do you know what this is? And like when she holds it up. The dogs bark at it, like you know, dogs can right, sense right, right. evil. Barrett, yeah, yeah, you know, they yeah. they know they've got a sense for these things. I thought they were barking because they were like guard dogs, and like they were like like all those dudes had to do was be like sick them, and, and it would have been they, over, and it would have been over for Navarro and Pryor. Yeah, no, they don't like the spiral, man. Okay, especially not they they can maybe deal with one spiral, but when it's a double spiral, the yeah. dogs they're upset. So this was the equivalent of them like like them holding up a cross to a vampire. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, basically. basically. The dogs were like, ah, I hate it. I hate it. Yeah, it was a <laughs> bleak scene out there at Tagak's yeah. place anyway, and he is now uh, in the wind. Today's episode is brought to you by you, or at least it could be, should be, if you're subscribed on patreon.com slash oysters, clams, cockles every week during this six-episode run of Night Country in addition to our public sponsor-based episodes. Barrett and I record and release an additional ad-free premium episode available exclusively to our supporters on Patreon, driven by hotline calls from our listeners who call in with questions, theories, and takes, which we respond to on the show. So on our public show, we cover what happens on each episode we discuss. Then on Patreon each week, we dive deeper, harder, and further with insights from listeners as well. It's just $5 to officially join the Clam Fam on Patreon. And when you do so, in addition to all of our ad-free bonus coverage of Night Country, you will gain access to hundreds of hours of exclusive content, including our entire companion podcast for every episode of The Sopranos, friendly to first-timers and rewatchers, as well as our bonus coverage for Season 1 of House of the Dragon, Season 2 of The White Lotus, the final season of Succession, The Last of Us, Season 1 of Silo, Season 2 of Foundation, plus a companion podcast for like 15 different classic movies in the form of our movie club on Patreon. So go today to patreon.com slash oysters, clams, cockles, and subscribe to support our show and receive so much more OCC in return. Just $5 to join the Clam Fam, and if you want to go above and beyond and also gain access to the exclusive hotline number and our Discord server, it's $10 a month to join the Mollusk Militia tier. We appreciate all of you who are already on Patreon so much for making our show possible because sometimes like today we don't have sponsors and we need to be able to afford to keep this thing running and for those of you who aren't on patreon yet what gives patreon.com slash oysters clams cockles so drunk danvers drives over to Connolly's motel room where he's whitening his teeth and uh, watching elf alone now at first i thought he was brushing his teeth because they make, like, you know, a thing that looks exactly like the teeth whitening thing he's using that's for, like, toddlers before they can really brush their teeth. Like, my stepdaughter has one. Really? You just stick it in, and you turn it on, and it, like, vibrates and brushes your teeth for you, essentially. Whoa. Yeah. It's awesome technology. But I thought that's <laughs> what he was using. I was like, 
This guy brushes his teeth like my four-year-old. <laughs> what a fucking clown. Uh, but no, it's teeth whitening. Yeah, teeth whitening, yeah. Yeah. Whitening the old teeth, watching Elf. Another got to have those pretty chompers yeah. for those uh, those mayoral campaign shoots. Yeah, exactly. And just another really you know joyous uh, Christmas Eve setting here. Mm-hmm. Motel mm-hmm. room, whitening your teeth solo, watching fucking Buddy the Elf with some freak ass green walls. Yeah, I don't know what's up with those? Yeah, I don't just like them though. A very dated motel. Yeah. Um, and uh, him and Danvers begin becoming intimate. Mm-hmm. Uh, but then she finds his teeth whitening thing and starts making fun of him. Like when she walked in, she kissed him and was like, "Well, that tastes like not good." Yeah, tastes like teeth whitener. Which at first I was like, "He must not have the SpongeBob toothpaste," <laughs> you know. But it yeah. wasn't. Again, he wasn't brushing his teeth very right, right. whitening them. Yeah. Um, <laughs> she makes asks if it's for his campaign posters. He says he sent her to Ennis to try and help her because she was a fucking mess. Which this kind of threw me because, based on you and I's just now conversation mm-hmm, about how. Mm-hmm. Danvers and Leah are clearly tied pretty closely to the Peter Pryor family, to yep. Peter's wife yep. and the grandma over there. I kind of assumed that Danvers lost her husband and son when she was already in Ennis. I think she did. But this conversation... Oh, wait, no, no, no. Sorry, sorry, sorry. No, no, no. I, so, I thought you were going to go the other direction. Yeah. Keep going. This conversation makes me feel like wherever she was before, yeah. that's where... The accident happened with her husband and son. Yeah, and that, that and then that, Connolly that, sent her here to try to help her that, get out of this like spiral. Yeah, and that that's the assumption that I was operating under as well. That doesn't mean that there couldn't have been some pr- connection to to Ennis. Right, right. Because it sounds like they were in Alaska, right? Right. Because she was competing for Connolly's job. Right. Um, and he's like, maybe they were in Anchorage. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, Could have been in Anchorage or something like that. So they might've had this, the, 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 the prior and his wife could have been family for, for maybe Danvers late husband or something like that. Yeah. You're right. Something like that. Yeah. That connection still could be possible. Maybe that's one of the reasons why he pushed her to Ennis. I don't know. They're, they're, they are, yeah, the whole, like, they're really burying the Danvers story and I don't totally know why. Yeah, they're making us like read heavily into it. Yes. And pull at strings to try to establish the backstory that they're giving us crumbs for, right? Right. Um which the further we get into the season, the more I'm like, oh, they're never gonna tell us. Right. Like, that's, we that's just kinda, have to make well, our assumptions. That's kind of the way it seems right now. Yeah. But Connolly says he sent Danvers to Ennis to try and help her because she was a fucking mess. Says uh he was scared that she was gonna Oh, she says like bullshit, you weren't trying to help me. You thought I was going to take your job. Mm-hmm. Like, I was a better cop than you. you. You were threatened by me. And he says, like, if you want to know the truth, yes, you are a better cop than me. But you're terrible with people. And he says after, and she's like, go on, say it. He says after Jake and Holden, so that was her husband mm-hmm. and son, that it got worse. And Liz ends up storming out, but, like, their they're good time whoopee session is destroyed by this conflict. Um, and that's, like, what you know we've been suspicious of this whole season like it seemed like she lost her husband and another child with that husband that is her son and that's jake and holden yeah okay so hank Pryor, coincidentally is also watching elf at home alone and he opens his fridge to get himself a drink and he sees the bottle of champagne that he had purchased for his russian bride that has not arrived and then he goes to his bedroom and he's got the bed of roses ready for his girl (laughs) and then he starts picking up the rose petals well just one by one yeah that's a fun christmas eve barrett 
Navarro gets a call from the Coast Guard letting her know they found her sister's body, so she drives out to the lighthouse and freaks out on these people about them letting Julia leave, but it turns out it's a voluntary facility. They actually have done absolutely nothing wrong, and they can't just detain people against their will. So she leaves to go beat the shit out of some dude that she's arrested before. What is the story with this cat? Uh, he's the guy that, um, he, he beat the chick that worked at the, 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 like the housekeeping or the maid facility. Oh yeah. Okay. And they're, they're checking that out and like Danvers isn't, Danvers isn't going to press charges and, or, or Navarro isn't going to press charges. And then they, and that guy like shows up. He's, they, they arrest his ass. He's a bad guy. He's a bad guy. That they've dealt with before. And then later Navarro in another episode, Navarro's walking by him. And, he, and he's getting drunk with his buddies again, and she's like that motherfucker. And she pours the beer, or that she pours the oh yeah the in the car into his uh, gas tank, into his gas tank. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So she's got guy, real beef with this dude. This guy has been around, and now, now we I think we have an especially good idea of why she hates this dude so much is because he reminds her of this Wheeler guy. Yes, right. Like he's a he's a he's a um, chron- chronic abuser. Yeah, yeah. Woman beater. Woman is it, yeah. So she goes out there to beat his ass, but kind of is also... She saw him on the way to the lighthouse. Yeah, yeah. And he, like, drove past him. Yeah. And, uh... So she's on tilt right and she's, now. She's, she's realizing like, she can't beat the shit out of this this yeah. hospital guy, so she's basically. Gotta go, she's got to go beat up somebody, yeah. But also seems like it's an intentional act of getting yourself into a situation oh, where you could be killed, totally. right? Or, yeah, or yeah, at least yeah. severely yeah. injured. Because um, it's one on three. And definitely, definitely, at the very least, like, to get your ass beat. Yeah. You know, like that. Try to get some of the anger and yes. frustration out. yeah. yeah. Um, now she, she, you know, puts up a good fight or whatever. She definitely deals out some blows, but right. in the end they, they really, they kick her ass and, uh, she's pretty badly beaten up. Peter gets home to his house. Everyone is asleep. He apologizes to his wife, but she just wants to sleep. And then things take a really dark turn when he's like, then why don't you just say it that I ruined your life and you didn't want to have the baby. And I was like, good God, man. Why'd you w- drop that nuke? Wild turn of events, um, here. I- yeah. Again, I, I sometimes I don't know what's happening on this show. Yeah, I don't think anybody does. Because <laughs> like, why like, give us more depth to their relationship? Like, and it's just like, is the point like everybody's fucked up and miserable? Well, and I mean that's just it's not what we've that came out of nowhere. In one of their more intimate moments, we saw her be like, "Man, how did I fall in love with the white boy?" Yeah. Right? Like they they the beginning of this sh- show. It's like they they seem to have this really nice warm relationship, and he's getting pulled. He's getting sucked into the work, which is what's causing the strain. Right. But well, then now, you find out it turns but, out actually there may have been strain already, and that's why he's letting himself get sucked into his work. Yeah, I, I kind of get the message. Okay, All it's right. just that was that line. I was like, whoa, damn, they're really like things are really not going well for the priors. Yeah, yeah, or they, anyone on the show. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know that that just that caught me so off guard um, that I that I'm not sure it had like the it caught me so off guard that I don't think it had any impact for me. That you were just like, wow, okay, and then it moves on to the next well, scene, right? Because like like if that's I, I I think the show prior to that line like wanted you to be kind of like invested in that relationship a little bit and really feel bad for Pete for like kind of not. Not not having the, the the backbone to like put his foot down and like devote some time to his family and like you kind of like okay we get it your work's good like your your work's important you're probably going to be a good detective but you know you got to find the boundary like you know you're kind of like rooting for them to to work out their little family unit 
Yeah, definitely. And but now, like, I don't know. It's like, oh, guess it was just a shit marriage from the jump. I don't know. It was just weird. To me. Well, this that felt, was a I weird. Mean, that was a weird line drop for me. Now that you're talking it out, this is him surrendering. This is him being like, I can't fucking do both. Yeah, yeah. Like I can't fucking fix this. There is no fixing this, and uh, this gives him a way to put it on her. Like you never wanted this anyway. Right. You didn't even right. want the baby. Yeah. You know. So I, I kind of get it at this point. Um, but it was very sad. <laughs> Danvers is driving drunk back from Connolly's when she sees a polar bear and swerves off the road and crashes, and the one-eyed polar bear approaches her car, just looks at her, and walks off. Now, I was operating under the uh, assumption that the one-eyed polar bear was a Navarro delusion or hallucination mm-hmm. or vision, mm-hmm. one of the three. Sure. But now Danvers has seen the one-eyed polar bear. So we obviously don't know. It definitely seems to acknowledge it as it walks up and like snorts at her car window. Right. right. Yes. Yeah. She sees it. Yeah. And so now I don't know what the fuck that means. It, it, you know, it could go two ways. The polar bear exists and is just wandering, mm-hmm. regularly stepping out in front of traffic. Or this is a delusion slash vision or hallucination that connects these two women somehow. Mm-hmm. And I'm pretty sure it's the latter. I don't think what I'm saying is I'm I'm still going to operate under the assumption that the one-eyed polar bear does not actually exist. There's not just a giant one-eyed polar bear walking around Innis being like, I wonder if this person will stop or hit me. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Like, it's yeah. it's something to do with Danvers and Navarro. So, I, Man, I think you're probably right, but I also don't like, I don't like that. It's like, why both of them? No, no, no. It's just because, because you're, you're, uh... Yeah, I don't know. They they've just made the polar bear seem really real now, mm-hmm. and so I'll I'll yeah, I, I it'll, I'll feel kind of cheated if it's just like ha nope, just another vision. Well, here's here's one of the things this season is doing. It's taking elements of season one, which again, inarguably one of the greatest seasons of TV ever made, and it's tinkering with them. It would be like if in season one, all of a sudden, um, Marty had one of Rust's hallucinations. Mm-hmm. Like, he saw the bird spiral in the sky, right? Which, obviously, in that story would not have made a whole lot of sense. But that's basically, like, what I'm the way I'm looking at it. Like, she took that season one element that mm-hmm. Rust Cole saw these visions, hallucinations, weird tracer things. And in that, in that story, in season one, it's the result of him having done a ton of drugs while yeah. he was undercover. And this one, it's a mental health thing. But, like, yeah, this scene kind of threw me. I was like, wow, okay, now Danvers is seeing this bear. What the hell is the deal with this bear? Um Kavik finds Navarro in his bar, tending to her wounds, and she says, you should see the other guys, which kind of made me want to die. But uh, she's pretty badly beaten and broken. She lost a fucking tooth. Kavik is tending to her. He asks her what the stone with the spiral that he finds in her pocket is. And uh, she says she doesn't know, but that Oliver Tagak left it for them. I just thought this was interesting because she ends up leaving it there by accident. Mm-hmm. Right, she goes to show Danvers the stone later on. It's not there. Clearly, it's still in Kavik's bar, which puts me back on extreme Kavik watch. Like, <laughs> is he part of the cult? And he's going to somehow like raise the alarm for them that like they're onto them or something. Like, it just why, why have her? Why have him pull out the stone, acknowledge it, and the spiral, and then her accidentally leave it so he still has it? It was weird. But he also, uh, she's like, why are you alone? And he says his brother went to Disneyland with all the kids, and she's like, no, 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 I mean in life. You're alone. I'm alone. Danvers is alone. Rose. And then he fakes a proposal. 
so he can snap her finger back into place. <laughs> and she weeps and he comforts her. Yeah. Another really uplifting scene. Now it's Christmas, December 25th, the eighth day of night. So we're over a week here. We're on day eight of no sun. Danvers is passed out on the couch. She's dreaming about her son Holden and the bright and sunny past she had in her life. Like one of the things when they do these flashbacks to her and her kid, it's very bright. Mm-hmm. The opposite of night country. She yeah. was in day country at that point. Right. And uh, Twist and Shout is being sung, I think, by her in the background. And she sees like some weird visions too, like the graveyard. Mm-hmm. And a weird like ice setting with an archway of some kind. It's like almost like elephant tusks coming out, but they're fucking massive. I have no idea what that was. I don't think we're supposed to know. They're giving us like little setting set pieces for other stuff we're gonna get later, I think. But uh, Navarro shows up and Probably tells where the or they're buried. Right? Oh, maybe yeah. Could have been a gravesite. Yeah, yeah. Um, Navarro shows up and tells Danvers that Oliver Tagak is gone. Tells Danvers he left a stone with a spiral on it that she lost. It's at Kavix. They're both a mess. You know, Danvers extremely hungover, going through this serious situation with her stepdaughter. Navarro just got the living shit kicked out of her, essentially voluntarily. Mm-hmm. Um, Danvers, like, moves a box to, to let Navarro have room to sit, and she accidentally spills the box over. The one-eyed polar bear stuffed animal falls out. Navarro picks it up, realizes it belonged to Danvers' son, Wants to tell her about the vision she had, you can tell, but Danvers doesn't want to hear it. She, like, cuts her... It's almost like she knew what she was going to say, like, that she was going to have some story about, you know, a vision or dream or whatever. Yep. And Danvers says, dead people are dead. There's no heaven. There's no hell. There's no ghosts. Uh, She takes the bear, throws it outside in the snow to, like, prove her point that she's not, like, holding on to it as, you know, a memento. And Navarro tells her that her sister killed herself last night says that she was diagnosed with schizophrenia, bipolar disorder, and borderline personality. But she asks Danvers, you want to know what was really wrong with her? It takes us one by one. And you know who's next? And this one, as a viewer, you're like, you become very concerned for Navarro here. Like, okay, she is definitely slipping into the space that her sister was in, that her mother was in before her. She says, it's a curse. My mother had it too. Something calls us and we follow. And it's calling me now. And then specifically, she's calling which is interesting, like, ties to the Salah thing, the yep. she's awake thing, all these people seemingly committing suicide in, like, mass. Makes me wonder if the whole fucking town is going to strip naked and wander out into the ice at some point. But Danvers tells her she's doing the thing she did with Wheeler. So we go back to the Wheeler scene and, like, where she's seeing something, that she saw something in that room. Um, and while they're talking this out, like, Navarro sees this terrifying ghost woman pointing at Wheeler uh, but she won't admit it to Danvers, will not, like, talk about this. Full-on horror scene number two here. That scared yep. the living yep. shit out of me, and it was, like, straight-up White Walker. These are sh- these are almost exact, like, they even have, like, blue eyes like White Walkers from Game of Thrones. Craziness. But this brings us back to what happened at Wheeler's. Yeah. So now I'm back on Navarro shot Wheeler, and Danvers had to cover it up, and, like, that's why she transfers her out and, like, trying to... Because I had flip, I flip flopped back and forth. Now is what I'm saying. You were originally on Danvers having shot her. No, I was originally on Navarro having shot her. Then I flipped to Danvers having shot her with you guys on Patreon, and now I'm flipping back to Navarro shot this dude. Danvers had to cover it up, and part of that was like their their partnership breaking up. I so think that, no, I think you were originally on Danvers. I was on Navarro. Then you flipped to Navarro last 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 week. Oh, I think that's how it went. 
But either way, I, I'm on Navarro now. Either way, I yes, it seemed like this ghost ordered yeah. her to kill that man. Yes. Um, but the creepy uh, the, scene. The pointing is interesting because it's like the point is a very. Uh, it's not like a direct point. It's almost like she's pointing at the person seeing her, which is how the uh, the the Lund point was as well. Yeah. He's kind of pointing at. Right at her. At Navarro. Yeah. So, I, so the the pointing is obviously going to mean something because all the ghosts are freaking pointing. Yeah. Uh, Even Travis Cole pointed Travis in Cole the direction points. of the uh, um, scientists. But I don't know what all this pointing is about, and I don't know exactly what the pointing means. Don't know what to make of yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. Don't know what to make of it. Um, Peter calls and tells Danvers that some fisherman spotted someone near the dredge, and it looks like Clark in Annie Kay's pink parka. So Navarro and Danvers head out to the dredges to check it out. Once they arrive, it's some kind of abandoned facility like we talked about earlier. There's graffiti everywhere inside this place. It says, like, keep off the grass, which obviously doesn't make sense because there's no fucking grass. Giant spiral on the wall, just like spirals we've seen everywhere else this season. And they see someone running, and they give chase. But before they can really both go after this dude, Navarro hears someone calling to her, Evangeline. And she, like, looks down and sees what is pretty clearly her sister's body floating by because it's got the blue electric hair dye. I suppose mm-hmm. it could also have been Annie Kay. Annie Kotak, yep. yep. Um, but uh, Danvers goes <clears throat> up to chase the dude they saw and, that she thinks is Clark. Navarro goes down to see what's calling to her, and she finds a Christmas tree. We, which, which Just like the one that was in her house. Yeah. Yep. Which you you're like, well, that's not... That's not there, yeah. Really there. Right. And then there's, like, creepy music. She's following footprints. Yeah, she sees footprints, visual Mm -hmm. evidence that someone, like, climbed out of the water and Mm -hmm. walked that way. Yep. She hears this creepy music that then pretty quickly becomes, like, chopped and screwed and distorted because Mm -hmm. it's, like, obviously not there either. Right. And uh, then we get this massive jump scare Mm -hmm. out of nowhere where she turns around and there's another one of these screaming ghost people. Yeah. Just, they have to be as alarming as possible, apparently, (laughs) to get their message across. Another White Walker corpse. So Danvers ends up finding this dude standing in a corner, facing the ground with the hoodie, like Annie Kay's jacket up over his head, so you can't see him. Um, It is Otis Heiss. It is not Clark. It's Otis. But we last saw Clark wearing the jacket, so her questioning is, who gave you the jacket? Where'd you get the jacket? When did you last see Raymond Clark? Uh, This dude is clearly not okay. He's been doing drugs out there. They flash over to like his little yeah. meth or heroin, heroin setup. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Got the spoon that he's been cooking with, and uh, he's hiding out here in this dredge. And when she asks him, "Where's Raymond Clark? Where's he gone?" His response is, "He's gone. He went back down to hide. He's hiding in the night country. We're all in the night country now." Uh, which again is very reminiscent of the whole Carcosa thing in season one. And uh, then Danvers goes and finds Navarro sitting in front of that Christmas tree with blood coming from her ears. Yeah, a potentially ruptured eardrum. Yep. Roll credits and the creepiest version of uh, Twist and Shout that we've heard yet. So what the fuck? I, I, don't, I don't know. No okay. clue. No clue. Not a clue. I mean, I'll say this for where we're at after four parts, with with only two remaining, one of which, by the way, part five airs on Friday. That's right. Coming out early Super on Bowl Fridays. Sunday. Yeah, they want to give you a, a shot to watch it before the big game. Before the big game. Um, they used to do HBO would take a week off right. for shit like this. That sucked. So I'm glad they've pivoted to this strategy where they just mm-hmm, do mm-hmm. a different day. So part five comes out Friday. Yeah. I will say this, having only two parts remaining. If they can find a way... 
to take all this craziness we have seen and tie it up nicely and make us, because what we're looking for here at this point is a bunch of, oh, moments. We want to see some shit on the screen that's going to make us go, oh, that's why this, that's why that, that's why all this weird shit that we've been seeing that doesn't make any sense. The fucking polar bear, the fucking White Walkers, Travis Cole, the scientists, Clark, Annie Kay. We want all of this stuff tied up into a nice bow at the end of the show. Would you, would you say that is the goal generally or something close to it? Uh, yeah, I, I think... The the I, I agree with you that the show has put itself in a position to where that is the where where the where the audience, you and I included, feel the need for that. For a satisfying outcome. Yeah. I th- I think you can do all of this like like, you know, if you want to say something about people and the relationships and the trauma that they experience or or the 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 uh the isolation and loneliness of a lost town that goes through 40 days of night in Alaska or the uh the the oppressive experience of living in a mining town especially when you're a native person like like you can do all that and then not give a, and and not have to tell us a bunch of answers but you have to do all that successfully and i don't think that i, I wouldn't say that 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 part of the show has been very successful at the moment. Which part specifically? The part where it's... It, I think it, it's just trying to spin too many plates. Yeah. It's definitely spinning a lot of plates. And so the fact that I... The, the, the fact that I still don't know anything about Annie Kotak, the fact that I still don't know anything about the mine, or that they haven't addressed the water theory, or that, like, that we don't know what happened to... We don't really know what happened to Navarro's mom, and, like, uh, that there, there's just... That, and And... And what the hell is going on with Hank? Why is he in the show? Um, there, there's just there's no. That's a fair question. So many things that now it's like, okay, well you've you've it feels like you've juiced up each of these story bars to twenty five percent. So now they better all come together because I don't feel like I have seventy five percent of any of them at the moment. So it's it's like my my like I'm not fulfilled by anything yet which is giving me that need to like, okay, well, you better wrap up the mystery story in a way that feels satisfying then. Yeah. Because that, because, because, and the other thing is like at the moment, like I don't, I don't know what to care about right now. Do, do I care about Annie Kotok? Do I care about the Salal scientists even at the moment? Do I care about the, 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 the Navarro family tree? Do I care about Danvers backstory? Do I care about the relationship with her and Leah? Do I care about Pete Pryor? Do I care about his relationship with his dad? What's his dad doing? Nobody knows. Not getting a Russian mail order bride, apparently. Yeah. yeah. Like there's just like the there's just a lot. And like I feel like I I, you know, I'd love to know more about the backstory of the show. Was it always supposed to be six episodes? Did they cut it down? Because it feels like they have enough characters to easily go ten. Right. Eight, or at least eight. Eight at the very least. And so I'm I'm just like it I do think that this show probably needs to be left, you know, I'm we're clearly sitting here judging it because we're hosting a weekly podcast. Um, serving as a companion to it, so so it's part of the job, and so I'll reserve final judgment until we've seen the whole thing. But right, but right now, I just kind of don't. I don't. I, the show is not leaving me very satisfied at any at the end of any Here, any episode. Question. Here's my question: Were you entertained by this episode? I think so. You think so? Because <laughs> I really, really was. Like okay. I got, that ended, and I was like, God damn. 
I mean, it was dark as fuck. Yeah. And it was, it had these jump scares, and my wife was very pissed off. She was like, this is a horror show now. And I was like, yeah, it is. Sorry. Because yeah. um, <laughs> it was. This Laura's was... not happy about that either. I, we have other friends that have said the exact same thing. It's, like, it's a horror yeah. show now, and, yeah. I, and I, I get it. A lot of people weren't, didn't sign up for that, right? There were elements of season one that were scary as shit, but we're mm. doing straight up, as you put it, like old school Japanese horror tropes here, which is not what a lot of people expected. Yeah. And I totally understand. Now, here, here, your point about you can't really judge this until we get to the end, I also completely agree. There were points in season one where I was like, are they going to solve this crime? I didn't think they were going to. Yeah. I thought the show was going to end with some open-ended craziness, but right. like the ride was so good that I right. wasn't going to care. In this case... We're not dealing with the same level of ride. I will admit that. It's different. Very, there, a lot has changed. Totally different showrunner and writer, right? Mm. We're dealing with Jodie Foster, who... This is one thing I do with agree people. I do agree with people on. I don't think Jodie Foster is crushing it. Okay. I yeah. don't like some of her line deliveries. Mm. I am not bought in on that character. In some scenes, I've been like, what the fuck was that? In other scenes, she seems great. But, like, I'm not all in on the Jodie Foster character. I, and, frankly, I think she's being outacted by... Trooper Navarro's, uh, what's her name? Calories. Thank you. Yep. I'm not all the way in on that, but I think too many of us are judging this show like, well, there's no way, for weeks now, since part two, there's no way they figure out how to make this good in the end. Mm -hmm. I'm like, well, yeah, but if you want to sit there and judge like that, then you're not going to have a good time. You have to look at each individual episode. Did I have fun watching this episode? Was that intriguing, entertaining, biting? Did it draw me in? You know what I mean? Like, and with the, I have not, there hasn't been a single one of these that have ended where I've gone, well, that was dog shit. I wish I hadn't watched it. I am in I, the camp with everyone I, else thinking this needs to be worth it in the end. Yeah, I don't have as pos positive a reaction to you at the end of the episodes. Yeah. I, okay. I, like, I tr like, like it, it's funny that you asked if I enjoyed, if I like enjoyed or was entertained by the episode because I asked myself the same question after watching it last night. Yeah. I was like, I don't, I'm not sure if I, if I enjoyed that or not. Yeah. And it's not, and for me, I like, honestly, like if they want to do the horror thing, I honestly wish they were leaning further into it. And just being out, out front about it instead of, yeah. Uh, and like, let's just go, let's just go the horror spirit route. Like, let's yeah. do it. Let's, let's do it because I'm, I'm not getting, an, I'm, I'm not totally getting enough of like the detectiveness and, I'm, and, and we're not really circling on an answer about what exactly happened to the scientists. Like which what, I, what which genre I thought, is Which this? I thought was the original kind of the, the crux of the show. It's like, what happened to these guys? And now I don't know if it is or not. Um, it has to be, though. That's I, the thing. It has to go back. Like, we have to get answers. So, yeah, it's like there, there, there are definitely pieces of each episode that I, that I do like. But, I, but like, you know, like I said, at the end of each episode, I am not feeling... I, I I'm not being left with like that was a great episode of television. I'm right. not le I'm not left with that feeling. So I'm 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 still there. I'm intrigued by the show and the story that it's trying to tell. And I I, I I'm I'm starting to agree with you about the Jodie Foster thing. I think we're all such Jodie Foster fans, and we know that she can crush roles. That we kind of like we're. It, it's kind of like a preseason college football ranking almost. Yeah. yeah. We're like, she's number one because she always has been. Yeah. Right. Like it's fucking Bama. They're number one. But and so then so we're starting with her at number one. She's down to like eight already. That, yeah. yeah. So it's like, but but we we get we give her the benefit of the doubt before we even see an episode. And I I yeah I I do it's it's been a little bit of a mixed bag with her. But I'm also not sure that like I I, I wish she had more to do. I wish we were getting a little. I I wish they'd let that the the, the Holden Jake story unfold a little bit now a little bit more. 
just because I'm look, I'm and and I'm just kind of thinking about what we usually get from an HBO series in a penultimate and a finale. You know, yeah, the, the penultimate is typically like a big reveal. It's typically where things start to come together, and then a finale is oftentimes like the coda, where we either where we kind of like see where people are after that. Or it's like kind of the come down from like a big thing. Finishes wrapping up some, you know. It finishes wrapping up, or maybe it kind of open dovetails and like open ends it again. Right. After we think we know something. Right. And so I, I like it, it's just like, are they gonna? So yeah, I, I, I'm just like it. Like a lot of people are saying, like, I, how do we only have two episodes left here? You yeah, know? I mean, I, I look. I'm not disagreeing with that camp at all. I totally understand the the feeling. I just it's kind of been wild to watch how critical people are about True Detective Night Country. Yeah. And I think that's in large part due to the ridiculously high bar that season 1 of this show set that that's kind of what every season after it is being judged against and from that standpoint I understand too. I've also seen that uh show creator and showrunner and writer during seasons 1 through 3 Nick Pizzolatto has come out and said point blank that there are elements of this season that he thinks are fucking stupid. <laughs> Um, which is riling up that yeah, the season yeah. one fanboys, right, as uh, Lisa right. Issa Lopez called them, even further. I, I I get all of that, but if I'm watching this thing in a vacuum through four episodes, it's done a great job of creeping me out, making me wonder what the hell is going on out here, getting me to invest in some of these characters, like in different ways, getting to know them, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. and I'm with it. I'm I'm not. I'm not in the ne- in, in in as negative of a place as a lot of people watching this thing are, and I've, it's kind of been interesting to see um, how many people are upset. Because I'm getting every every episode that ends the last three, I get tweets from people saying, "I'm out. <laughs> that was it. They're going full fucking paranormal spirit world. I'm not doing it." And I'm like, "Well, we don't really know yet." Well, I mean, and if what, that's all it takes for you, then there's not that many shows you're going to enjoy. And I, I mean, I don't, I don't, I don't mind if we go paranormal with it. Like that, that, that's not a, that's yeah. not a con to me. Um, but I, the not I'm knowing just, what is going, like the not knowing, is yeah. really throwing people for a loop. Right, right, right. They're like, I signed up for a detective show with some dark themes, but this what, is full horror at different points now. What, okay, what are we let, doing? Let me ask you this: If this show was exactly the same. But the spiral was a star, and there was never a mention of Rust Cole or Tuttle, and it was just called Night Country. Do you think your enjoyment would be higher, lower, or the exact same? Up to this point, mm-hmm. the exact same. I don't think it's really okay. impacted it that much. I'm curious to see how they try to tie all that shit in, but with every passing episode, I'm less convinced that they're even going to try to tie it to season one or, you know, some kind of larger conspiracy regarding the Tuttles and the spiral and the, like, because that, the implication that there is a nationwide cult of murder going on Uh is kind of ridiculous, (laughs) right? Like, there's just a spiral cult. Uh Uh-huh. Somehow backed by the Tuttles, which, just to take it full circle to the point of the conversation you and I are currently having, I don't know how they're going to wrap up the season. Mm-hmm. That's where my curiosity is peaked right now, because I'm like, okay, I don't know. They, if you told me they're not going to solve any of these cases, I would believe you. Mm-hmm. I could see it, that route. Yep. I could also see them going a route where they try to tie all this crazy shit up and involve some season one tie-ups, and like we could, uh, that would be very hard and confusing. It just, 
it doesn't feel like a true detective season. I'll yeah, say that. Right, it right, doesn't. No. It feels like they took elements of true detective and tied them into a horror show called Night Country. Yeah. Um yeah. and uh and by and large, I like the performances. I just don't like Jodie Foster's performance as much as I think I thought I would, right? Like, I think that was, there was a bar set for her, too. Yeah, yeah. And, I, and, and right now, through four episodes, I do think, I, I think I'm most invest, invested in Trooper Navarro. And I think that Calories has probably has the most to do and is giving the best performance on the show. Yeah. I, I, I agree with you there. That, that's the character I'm most interested in now. Right, because what the fuck? She just had the ears bleeding thing, but I saw the preview for next week, and it looks like she's up and at him and like right. participating and yeah, shit. Yeah. So hard to know what's going to happen there. And I just, I think not having the slightest clue how this thing ends has got people up in a in yeah. a tizzy. Yeah, yeah. Because it's a it's been a in a a very um, taxing ride. Yeah, I mean, when you, when you shorten when you shorten the road down to six episodes, you give less time for it, people are going to jump. Fa- faster to their judgments and their conclusions because yeah, definitely. They, because that runway is a lot shorter. Definitely. Yeah. Definitely. So, yeah, we'll see what happens, man. Obviously, we'll further discuss on patreon.com slash oysters, clams, cockles later this week, and I'm, I'm really interested to hear from the listeners as far as what they're, what they're thinking, what they're experiencing here because it's been a very mixed bag audience response-wise online. Yeah. And uh, I've been kind of in the middle where I'm like, <laughs> I don't want to, you know. Yeah. I'm not like, counting the chickens before they hatch. I here. would like to hear from the Mollusk Militia why you like the show or why you don't like it. Yeah, just clean cut. Yeah, because because I'm having trouble answering that answering that for myself. Right. I usually feel like I'm like I'm I can I'm good at articulating it why I do or don't like something, and I do feel very like kind of strung out in the middle here, and I'm not totally sure why. Yeah. I've I've tried to explain it. I think there's something with as the the, the multitude of characters, the all the full time night night of it the amount um, of angles like the fact that the water thing is, is yeah but not but, really acknowledged yeah as a potential so, issue so i'm just kind of curious what what y'all are what y'all's temperature is on it at the moment call us uh remember we will be recording monday still so even though the episode airs on friday barrett and i will be back in the lab on monday it'll drop on monday afternoon like normal um also Reminder, our show is available not only on the major podcast platforms like Spotify and Apple Podcasts, but also in full video on YouTube.com slash Oysters, Clams, Cockles. I appreciate all y'all who are subscribed on YouTube. If you're watching today's show on YouTube and you haven't subscribed, please hit the subscribe button. Please uh, leave a comment, a question, a take, a theory in the comment section. We'd love to hear from you. YouTube.com slash Oysters, Clams, Cockles. Support our sponsors when we have them. Today we don't, so go to Patreon.com slash Oysters, Clams, Cockles. Sign up and you can enjoy... Our Thursday episode later this week with hotline calls from the Mollusk Militia. Um, Barrett and I, still the hosts. I don't know if that's shocked <laughs> anybody. But uh, yeah, for more from me, Ross Bolin, listen to the Ross Bolin podcast, wherever podcasts are played. For more from Mr. Dudley, follow at Barrett Dudley on Instagram. Right? The Gram? Yes, yeah, yeah. Yeah, on the my Gram. Inst- on my Instagrams. If you want some merch, OCC merch, go to bolinmedia.com slash shop. Thanks for being here today. Thanks for listening. Thanks for watching. Holler at us on social media. Let us know what you're thinking and feeling as well. Um, And remember, we're all in the night country now. 